0: Welcome to the Batter Up Podcast, brought to you by Just Bats. I'm your host, Tyler, and I'm really excited to bring you this podcast. Our goal with this is to provide you with insight all throughout the baseball and softball community. We're going to utilize our relationships to have on some of the best guests, some of the best experts in their field across the diamond. This is going to range from what it's like to be recruited at the highest level of college to what it's like to build a brand new bat from scratch. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for you to join in on the journey. Let's get it. Today, we have a special treat for all you baseball and softball fans out there. Our guest is none other than Roman Bormitt, representing both Rawlings Sporting Goods and Easton Baseball and Softball. Two titans in the world of sports equipment. Get ready for an in-depth exploration of cutting-edge bat technology, the evolution of baseball and bat softball industry, and a journey through the storied histories of these iconic brands. Roman, welcome to the show. Tell everyone about yourself.
1: Uh, well, first of all, thank you. I'm in Kansas City with you guys, and and you know the podcast. I'm thinking like, can we make it like the Kelsey brothers podcast and kind of build this thing up? You know, they got it going on.
0: Yeah. I think we can get there. I, I, I guess that would mean I need to date Taylor Swift.
1: Well, yeah, I'm single. Oh. Okay. And you're married. So I'll take Taylor. And then, you okay. know, I, I think you'll be the other brother that's married with all the kids and all that.
0: Okay. I could be Jason. Okay. Jason, you're Jason. Jason's lovable.
1: Yeah, Travis is. is
0: the wild card. So I think this fits.
1: It probably fits better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, Roman, I know you played college baseball.
1: I did. I tried.
0: At Missouri, and I will bite my tongue as a Kansas Jayhawk myself. uh, Why don't you go ahead, just to give everyone a little bit of backstory about yourself. Give us the scouting report on Roman Bormitt, (laughs) the baseball player. What were the strengths? What were the weaknesses?
1: Well, first of all, do you know that I have a Big 8 record? Tell us. Do you you know what the Big 8 is?
0: Yeah, it's the former conference back in, what, the 80s and 90s that became the Big 12 when the texas schools came along um, and, and potentially you know kind of ruined what we had in college sports so yeah 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 the but big I, 8 was special
1: the big 8 yeah so before mizzou was in the sec before they were you know then they were in the or the big 12 before that before that big 8 but i have the most innings caught in the bullpen by any catcher in big 8 history never to be broken
0: that is uh that feels made up no uh, no i'm probably
1: pretty certain that no one if, with five years of eligibility spent more time in the bullpen than me but um yeah I, I i enjoyed my time there i do it all over um it was a great experience getting to play college baseball i was a very very average ball player and good with it but it, it ultimately it led me to um this job which i've been doing the last 30 plus years which has been wonderful i mean um it you know kept me in sports and, and what I like to do, so it, it, it enabled me to get get here, which is, which was great
0: awesome so so Rawlings is just down the road from Missouri. You got Columbia to St. Louis, right? right. Is that the natural connection how you got started with Rawlings?
1: You know ironically, um, I'm from a small town in Illinois, like kind of Mayberry, and uh, there was an umpire that would do our games, and his last name I, was kind of like a town name. And so I asked him one time where he's originally from, and he and he told me, and it was my hometown, and I'm like, and he was obviously older. And I'm like, well, I know, you know, we had a bunch of mutual friends, so we would always just chat it up a little bit when he would come. He would come from St. Louis to do the games in Columbia, and we became friendly, and, and one time after a game, I saw him in a parking lot, and I said, hey, it's, you know, my senior year, and I knew he was in sporting goods industry, and I said, hey, if, if anything ever comes up, um, just keep me in mind, well, his wife worked for Rawlings, unbeknownst, and um, they needed to fill a, a position, uh, a traveling marketing position. They needed to fill it right away, and it was—I would already graduated a few months—and uh, lucky enough to get the job. And thirty-two years later, here I am.
0: Wow! So, so you're traveling the country. Are you, are you peddling bats or you're, you're, selling or, or pitching gloves? Is that what it was? You know
1: what? It was great. It was a semi truck with two trailers. It's calling the, called the Rawlings sports caravan. Um, it was, it was a great job for a kid that was straight out of college. The love baseball, uh, it's a big show truck. And the, the first trailer was a museum, uh, kind of an evolution of, of baseball and sporting goods. Cause Rawlings says as you may or may not know, is 135 years old, um, and then the back part was a museum, or was a workshop where, on the back, the back trailer doors would open, and there was a lathe, and my partner would actually lathe bats and do a little demo on how players like their bats made. And back then, a lot of it was done by hand. Uh, again, this was thirty plus years ago. Um, not like obviously today, everything's a CNC lane and, uh, lathe and computerized. But um, we would go from town to town from spring training to the world series to all-star game to, um, like I said, little league parks and, and all over just, you know, showing the Rawlings brand and we're doing a little, uh, a show on, on the product.
0: That sounds like a dream come true. Uh, I, like as a baseball guy myself, like grew up, loved the sport. Obviously it became more than just a passion for me or a hobby. It became a career as well. Like just traveling the country in, what I'm imagining like the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile of <laughs> of baseball bats and sporting goods.
1: That's exactly what it was. <laughs> we actually did a couple of shows with the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile Swear. <laughs> it was at the uh the um Congress has a baseball game every year. Yeah. And the Democrats play the Republicans and we were set up there and the the Wiener Mobile was there and uh but I, we did a deal at the Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do spring training. You know, you get to meet. I got to meet some of my idols. Um, it just traveled the country uh, with all the, with you know, again, you're at the World Series. You're at the All-Star Game, um, minor league park. So it, it was baseball nostalgia for sure.
0: That's, that's the, <laughs> I was born a generation too late because that sounds <laughs> like an absolute dream job. Now, speaking to the past 30 years, 30 plus years for you. How have things changed in terms of, uh, I mean, let's look specifically at the marketing because that was very much so like word of mouth, like, hey, my neighbor's son hits this bat and he loves it. It's the hottest thing ever. And now it's a little bit more like curtailed to the influencers, to the reviews. How have you seen it change? And, and is it for the better? Or is it maybe not so much for the better?
1: You know, ironically, um, what you just said, you know, was grassroots was is always a big part Uh, Right now, that's probably as big of a focus as we have, that we have like a dozen hit labs, what we call them, throughout the country where they're actually mobile vans that take our products to the field. Because we just feel like anyone getting to put their hands on the product, because what we make, you know, is still product, it's performance, it's feel. Um, That's as important uh, as an influencer. Now, again, you know, there's several influences out there that can really move the dial. So we certainly know that that's very important to us. But as important as it was 30 years ago is, you know, still putting your hands on the product. So um, that part hasn't changed, that it's still very much product driven and the best product typically wins. Um, But again, now, of course, we've got, you know, all kinds of social marketing, which is a big deal. Um, You know, there's not nearly as much print or ad that used to be a big deal. Um, but I, I mean, the grassroots is still very, very important to us, which is the same as it's been 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think um, it, it became very important to us as speaking as a just bats employee here real right? quick. We have been doing this online element for the better half of two and a half decades. So operating, Only online as a bat company is, you know, that's difficult to to get somebody to trust, to spend hundreds of dollars on a bat without ever putting their hands on it. So for us to to launch something like the Bat Assurance Program where you get 30 days to actually swing it, hit it, because as someone that worked in the call center, we'd get calls and my son got this bat, oh, he's only hit 10 times with it, but he doesn't like it. And now we're in a weird position. So um, just a a self-plug real quick, the Bat Assurance Program, it's awesome. You get 30 days, you get to try it, you get to hit with it. Um, And and I think that's something that's important as we go into this, this world where, you know, you shop online for everything you need. Um, Going down the line and and speaking as a Rawlings and Easton employee, those are two mega brands in baseball. I mean, those are, you're talking about Rawlings. you, You already mentioned it the 135 years being in the industry Easton obviously blew up in, what was it, the 70s, the 80s?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, late 70s, early 80s.
0: And, and now to have these two combined together, can, can you talk a little bit about that collaboration and what that's looked like from the inside?
1: Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. Um, again, I've worked for both companies, and about four years ago, um, Rawlings and Easton merged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, you it, it's been fantastic in the fact that you can really play off each company's strength you know uh rawlings has been a glove leader forever uh, easton has been the bat leader you know forever and again that changes don't get me wrong but um those are our strengths and um then we also have you know both companies carry catcher's gear rawlings is a baseball company uh you know actual baseballs so we've been able to play to each other's strengths um and then, again, our R&D is extremely important to us. Of course, yeah. So then you take the best of one company and put it with the other and then the, the best of the other and put those together. And, and we're our initial goal was one plus one equals three. And we're we're getting closer and closer to really – well, I think we've executed that in a, in a number of different categories. We still have some certain uh, places that we, we know that we need to get a little stronger. But it, it's helped our both companies – Tremendously, And um, I, I would say without a doubt, it, it, it's been a great experience internally. And I think the market's startin', starting to see some of those um, fruits come together.
0: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, speaking as somebody that's been <clears throat> in the bat industry for five years now, where Rawlings was five years ago with bats to where they mm-hmm. are now, it, it's, it's a night and day difference. You saw it with the Icon and the right. way that thing exploded last year. Um, it, it, do you think that's a direct directly related or correlated to Easton's influence?
1: You know, that's where, again, the R&D, the, the two companies have different R&D. Uh, so there's a little friendly competition internally. Yeah. But also they're able to, you know, take this concept or idea and then probably, you know, tweak it because they get another set of eyeballs yeah. uh, on it. And, yeah, that I think it, it elevated it. F- and, and, again, our manufacturing um, capabilities we now have more options. Yeah. So you, you try to pluck the best from each, um, uh, each option. And it, again, it's elevated our bat business with both brands, uh, a, a bunch here just in the last 12 months. It's, it's been a great situation.
0: That's yeah. 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 What, what you guys are doing is, is night and day difference I've seen in the last five years. Um, Look, looking at the upcoming launches, so looking at 2024 and beyond, is there anything that you could provide us that might be, you know, uh, insight or a sneak peek as to what we <laughs> could expect in terms of bats this year?
1: Um, sure, there's going to be a, a limited edition Ghost fast pitch coming out here shortly. Uh, there's going to be a new Ghost um, next year, 2024. Coast bat, which again that's been the leader in the bat uh fast pitch bat market. Um so that's gonna be exciting. Um we've also as it you know, we all know about the hype fire, what that's done. Oh yeah. You know, we've got a next level, a com- a next, next level that will be it's it's out there a ways, but it's it's when it comes, it's gonna come big. It's gonna come very big. Um but it's it's down there quite a ways. So I I can't give too much away, but I'm just telling you, that one's going to be uh different than, than all of them, and it'll be fun.
0: Oh, that gets me excited <laughs> now, now. In 30 years, um, looking back on it, what, what's just a bat that stands out in your mind? What's a bat that you think back on and think, oh, we nailed that one?
1: Well, this was before my time, but the the core with uh with Easton is the green Easton, oh, yeah, and oh, the either. black magic, uh huh. I mean, those were the two iconic uh, bats for, um, for Easton. And then, um, you know, Rawlings, when it came out, when we came out with BB Corps, okay, so the Beezer bats were no longer in band. The number one bat at the time was a fifty-one fifty. That was the first bat that um, was the highest performing that first year. So we couldn't make enough of those, and, uh, you know, players were all trying to get them. And, um, again, it was a huge, huge change in the bat industry because, you know, you went from watching home runs at the College World Series, scoring 20 runs a game, and now there was, like, one or two home runs during the whole College World yeah. Series that first year uh-huh. um, because it went from Beezer to BB Corps. So that fifty-one fifty was the best performing of those uh, BB Corps bats at that time.
0: Is there something to be said about – when you make those big changes, so these to BB core or, you know, that USA stamp of approval that came in a couple years ago, right. it, it seems like in the first year or two alloy rises just because it's, is that, is there something to that? Cause composite is, you know, a little bit more machine refined and you've got to work with it a little bit more.
1: Yeah. I, I would, I would definitely say that's the case. Um, yeah. Cause alloys, I'll say more consistent in the fact that you can't, um, I mean, you can still make a bat as hot as you want, but with alloys, you'll get the failure. I mean, it's always a game of performance versus um, durability, Mm -hmm. you know, and then finding that line. So, yeah, each year, whether it was – yeah, the USA bats were pretty poor that first year just in general because it was such a big change and no different than the uh, BB Corps bats the first year. Like I said, I think they hit one or two home runs, College World Series. So, yes, you know – R&;D catches up with it. you get better, you can stay within the, in the rules, but yeah, each year they get each iteration gets a little better.
0: It makes a ton of sense. I mean you guys are remaking bats. Could you walk through this process? It fascinates me and I think our listeners would enjoy this. What it's like, I, I know you go from one bat to another to another and it stays in a series. But starting a bat from scratch, say, okay, we would like to have a new hybrid bat. We want to have an alloy barrel composite handle, Different than anything we've ever built before. Just using that as an example, what that's like. What's that process? Does that take six months? Is that eighteen months? Is that three years? What's it like to build a bat from scratch?
1: Well, first of all, you're talking a sales guy. That's true, but someone the- I'm not an engineer. <laughs> that's for sure. You know, there's sales guys are C students. Those engineers are A students. You know, <laughs> so. um <clears throat> It, it, if you're starting from scratch, I mean, obviously, it's a much much longer process. Um, if you've already got some framework to it and you're just tweaking it, and that's pretty much where the bat market is now. You're you're going to take whether it's a two piece composite, a hybrid, or an alloy, and kind of tweak it from there. Is is essentially what it is. Now, again, I like that the, the bat that's going to come out on down the road that's that's U trip is is completely different. So I I guess I should take some of this back but they at least have framework to work with yeah um the biggest one of the longest and time-consuming um situations is when we have to get them certified because you send it off to the bat testing places to get certified and you may get you know two of the four sizes certified well then you have to go back and figure out how to get the others certified and re-engineer a little and so forth so that can take take some time and and sometimes that will delay things just to make sure that obviously you can make it pass
0: yeah and, and I like I you're a sales guy you said that <laughs> is how often does a bat not pass certification like is are are you trying to like are you pushing it like four times and <laughs> tweak it or is it pretty standard that it, it passes
1: well I mean obviously we do our own testing mm-hmm. so we feel like once we send it to be officially tested that we're right there. Okay. You know, so obviously we do all kinds of internal testing. Um,
0: And that testing is just you hitting the ball over and over and over.
1: uh, Yeah. I mean, we have uh, air cannons, we have, you know, computers, we have bat swinging machines, all of that to try to get it, you know, a a constant, yeah, a constant um, testing procedure cool Uh, more than just hitting that way we can test all the exit speeds and it's similar to the test that they run anyway at at any of the bat testing facilities so typically we feel like once we send the bat to get tested um that it will pass
0: yeah yeah that makes sense okay looking looking ahead at next year just at this lineup we have i know you hinted at something big coming (laughs) in that's got me excited but what what are? let's say pick one from baseball fast pitch and slow pitch That. Just has you excited for the upcoming 2024 season?
1: Oh well no doubt the the hype fire yeah I mean that's that's already kicked in um, you know we, we kind of got on the tail end of uh, the baseball last year when it got released um, we've been airing those in yeah I mean it's it's been amazing so this year will be um, this spring will be kind of the first full spring um, that we will have that bat. And uh, so, obviously, that we're, we're super excited about that. It performs, uh, it's been durable to this point. And um, so, yeah, that'll definitely be our leader. Um, again, the upcoming, we'll have a, a Ghost launch in 2024 yep. for Fast Pitch um, that's going to do uh, very well, Ghost Advanced. So, mm-hmm. that'll be, be good for us in 2024. Um, BB Core, I mean, you know, the icons there. The icon's there. Uh, it's already performing. Um, it's doing great. Uh, obviously, we've got some good reviews on it, and and a lot of our teams have, uh, our college teams have transitioned to that bat. So that's definitely the icon, which is also, on the U-Trip side, done extremely well uh, here with the new release.
0: Yeah, we see it firsthand. We can't keep it on the shelves. Yeah, With, with a bat like that, and as a sales guy yourself, when you see a wave of it kind of hit, not not necessarily out of nowhere you guys expected it to be a good bat obviously you had you have hopes for most every bat you make but when it blows up to the capacity that it does how does that affect the next year so you're going to keep that series around obviously super successful are are, are you building up for a second wave or are you kind of status quo everything kind of stays the same in terms of sales manufacturing
1: oh no we it's very much when something hits like this then it's all hands on deck uh you know we work with our factories um we've got an excellent relationship uh obviously with our with our bat factories um then you you change your plans to like yeah because we have to make more um a lot of times you put them on airplanes and fly them over there's a big expense in that but we know that if there's demand for it that you you know bat market's a big deal and it's a hot product. You you need to try to feed that. So we definitely, once we kind of see the green light, um, it's all hands on deck, and we hit the gas.
0: The fire alarm has been pulled. The hype fire alarm. <laughs> the yeah. hype fire the alarm. Hype fire alarm. I love that. Now, okay, let's talk on the hype fire for just a second. Tell tell everyone in what way that's available. I know at the U trip level, is there going to be a BB core hype fire?
1: Uh, no. Well, at this point, I. We're not sure. Okay. Okay. I mean, not this coming spring, for yep. sure. Yep, um, Again, whether we uh, – that hasn't been determined yet, um, but not for this spring. Um, so with the U-Trip – I'm sorry, I asked the rest of that question?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just, just talk about that lineup um, with the U-Trip. Is that available in drop 12, drop 10, drop okay. 8, um, drop 5?
1: Yeah. No, we're, we're drop 10, drop 8, and drop 5. Okay. Um, again, you guys, as far as you – as soon as you get them – uh, you're sold out in a couple days. Yeah. So uh, if you guys get the email uh, saying it's in stock, you better get it. <laughs> oh so, gosh. But, we
0: we cannot keep them on our shelves. Oh, it's
1: been, it's been fantastic. Same. And the icon too. the U trip icon is also done well. Oh, yeah. um, and that, that sold out really, really quickly. So do you,
0: do you typically see a trickle down from BB courts? So say, I mean the icon, obviously the bat bros blew it up. They yep. loved it. Yep. Um, That was at the BB core level. Do you see that trickle down to U-Trip because the BB core performed so well?
1: Somewhat, but until until that's kind of proven out there,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, then that's when it really accelerates. You'll see a little bit of that, but until kids start hitting it or Bat Bros says, hey, this is the hottest bat going, um, that's really when it kicks in. So... um, because uh, again, kind of to that back to, back to the grassroots marketing part, you know, people want to hit it, feel it, and and know it's good. Um, and again, with your guys, again, bat assurance program. If they don't like it, they can trade it for something else, which is which is good for the consumer.
0: Look at you, you're <laughs> plugging for us. Well, yeah,
1: you guys, you guys are the best in the biz.
0: Oh, you're the man. Um, now, now let's let's take a step back from some of the talking in the weeds about bats here just looking at it as a baseball fan yourself over the course of your lifetime how do you think baseball players have changed have the best baseball players you know always just been the best baseball players or with the the rate and the knowledge we have at the youth level and the way we're we're training and building up athletes is is present day baseball player in your opinion better than a baseball player in the 70s or
1: 80s yeah i mean Without a doubt you look at a lot of these guys and they're just physically incredible yeah. you know and I mean yeah, you know, I'll talk to friends I, again when I was in high school or when I was in college I rarely saw anyone that threw 90 miles an hour and again played at a fairly high level in college but rarely was a guy throwing 90 You you go to high school game and you know I live in Texas and there's three or four kids in our city that throw 90 miles an hour which is crazy so yeah, I mean, in all, all the analytics and so forth. Um, I, I think the thing that has changed a little bit to the detriment is that too many kids play just one sport. Yeah. And I think that other sports help baseball if you go play another sport. And, you know, it's it's better for your body, too, if you're having to use different muscles and and your, your brain just to take a, you know, it's not 12 months of baseball. Yeah. Um, so I think that part isn't necessarily healthy, but I think as far as players and performance and all of that, it's it's a whole another level than it was for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it would be hard not to, but, you know, just looking back on it, I, I speak to my dad about the players he remembers watching. He grew up in Minnesota, so it was like Rod Carew yeah. and, and Tony <clears throat> Oliva. Yeah. And um, the, the way he talks about them, his eyes glow, but then you start to think about it and – I mean, as we evolve as athletes and humans, we're going to, we're going to advance and we're going to get better and better. Um, is there any player you can think of that you think could have just, you know, transcended time? Say, say pick a player from, from your childhood that you think still is, you know, an elite player in present day.
1: Um, I'm going to say Tony Gwynn as far as a hitter. Yeah. You know, I read something the other day that, um, Kyle Schwarber struck out more times this season than Tony Gwynn did in like 10 seasons <laughs> or struck out twice as many times. It was some ridiculous number. But again, that's how the games changed. Yeah. Schwarber's paid to hit home runs. I, I get it. That's the way as the a leadoff off hitter, <laughs> which right, is right. wild. He's taking big daddy hacks <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, Tony Gwynn was a guy that I think could hit no matter who was pitching, uh, especially now that there's no shift. Well, although Tony Gwynn probably would have figured out a way that they couldn't put a shift on him um, just because he's that guy that was always going to find a way to put the ball in play and hit it hard. He could hit for some power, too. Plus, I got a chance to meet him a couple times and might be the nicest guy I'd ever met in baseball. Really? Yeah, phenomenal human being. So, um, yeah, that, that's who I would go with that could still get it done today. No questions.
0: That, that's a common answer. Like you hear that all the time, and it it makes. I remember the very tail end of Tony Gwynn's career, but um, it, it's something that you think about, and you think of Field of Dreams, and you think about these legends coming back and playing, and, and and I I find myself thinking, you know, I think the best of all time are simply just the best of all time. That second tier might be you know better nowadays than it was, but but I do think there are players like Tony Gwynn that could transcend any time in baseball there's a white ball coming at you he could hit it
1: he could hit it he could hit
0: it with a tree branch like (laughs) it it wouldn't matter um now now shifting that question a little bit more because tony Gwynn, i don't think is going to be this answer um who's the greatest athlete you've ever seen on a baseball field
1: greatest athlete wow probably athlete would have been eric davis yeah cincinnati reds yeah uh again that was my era uh uh-huh. um, But he could hit when he was healthy. Again, he got hurt quite a bit. But when he was healthy, uh, could hit for power, hit for average, was fast, uh, had a great arm. And would, he was probably, yeah, he was probably the best athlete that, that I could remember.
0: Oh, I, I don't, I didn't get to see Eric Davis, but um, all accounts. That just yeah.
1: shows that I'm old.
0: <laughs> it shows yeah, that I'm young. I'm you're, old. You're not old.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, now, now you're a Cubs fan, right?
1: I'm a diehard Cubs fan. You
0: grew up a Cubs fan. Obviously, Eric Davis. Did you see him in Wrigley? Um,
1: well, I mean, on TV. Yeah. So I grew up um, about four hours south. Okay. And I grew up a Cubs fan. Well, my, my parents were Chicago. But again, grew up in that small town, Illinois. And I'd come home from school. And the only TV station that was on at the time was WGN. And they carried the Cubs games, which were always in the day because they didn't have mm-hmm. lights until 87 or eight. Uh, 1987 1988 i I can't remember which year exactly but um so you would get home from school three o'clock and it's in the fifth or sixth inning and you'd watch a couple innings of the game and then go out and play but yeah so that also helped me be a cubs fan
0: okay and now that would have been uh i mean you're you're ryan sandberg
1: ryan sandberg Okay. oh yeah for sure he was my cubs guy okay no doubt Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: um wgn you know came through my childhood as well. So I, I did a very similar thing with it. Uh, would that have been Harry Carey?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, it was Jack Brickhouse for a while. Okay. Then Harry Carey's with the White Sox. Then he went over the Cubs kind of midway. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, he took him the rest of the way. Okay, so. So, so I got a, I got a question yeah, for you. Yeah, go for it. Do you know who hit the first home run in the night game at Wrigley Field?
0: You you were saying, I mean, you're saying it'd be 87, 88? Yep. Was it a, a Cub or was it an away player?
1: It was an away player, but he, he's he got a Mizzou connection.
0: Oh. <clears throat> Ooh. I need one more hint.
1: Uh, he played quarterback at the University of Missouri oh, as well. Oh, that, that's not helping at all. You're young, see? I am young. You're young. I am I'm young,
0: old. and I went to Kansas, so I don't. I don't really mind okay. much Missouri history.
1: <laughs> well it was it was actually Phil Bradley. Oh yeah. And he was a leadoff hitter for the Phillies. Now do you know what his uh where his hometown is?
0: Is it in Missouri? No.
1: It's a small town in Illinois. No, yeah. So uh, Phil grew up in my hometown. No, way. I should say I grew up in Phil's hometown because no, I... Phil's older and obviously <laughs> a major league all star. And but he hit the first home run in Wrigley Field. So it, they were playing it, and they knew a storm was coming in. Uh huh. And it was off Rick Sutcliffe, and I, I remember it like i was sitting here today because Phil was, you know, my idol. He's I think he's nine years older than me. Okay. Went to Mizzou, played football was a starting quarterback for four years. Then he went on to play professional baseball for about 10 years. And he let off the game and the wind's blowing out because his front's coming through. And he hits it out and I am jumping up and down. Now I'm a Cubs fan, although Phil Bradley's my guy. And he just hit it out because there's this huge wind. Well, so the game actually gets canceled. So on the record books, right, it was before the fourth inning. it, (laughs) It gets blown out. Uh, rain, lightning, huge storm, but he uh, he hit the first home run oh. at Wrigley Field during the night game.
0: You got to you were living through him. At oh, moment.
1: absolutely! Everyone in my town was. I think was, of
0: that for him. Have you talked to him? Have you oh yeah, yeah. Him?
1: yeah. Phil and I are are, are decent friends and okay. acquaintances. So yeah, no, we talked. Um, but um, yeah, it was. It was uh, I can remember it. I was sitting in a friend's living room, and I was screaming and yelling. And it was yeah, it was fun. Small small town, yeah. Small town guy makes it. He made it big.
0: Is there any tribute in your small town to this moment?
1: Uh, not to the moment. Oh. Uh, it's obviously a trivia question at the sports yeah. corner bar.
0: I'm thinking like Water Tower. It's got something.
1: Well, the baseball high school baseball stadiums. The Phil Bradley. Okay. Stadium. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And does it? Oh man. I, I can't imagine for me, that would have been like Kauffman stadium here in Kansas city, but I couldn't have even hit the first home run at a night <laughs> game there. So that is, uh, that's a great trivia question. Um, I would imagine you stumped most of our listeners. Right
1: oh, there. I'm sure just about all of them, unless they're from Macomb, <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. yeah
0: so. <laughs> How close is that to St. Louis?
1: Uh, you know what's interesting about Macomb is it's about halfway between Chicago and St. Louis. Is it divided, or is it C- completely divided? Okay, yeah, yeah it's almost fifty-fifty.
0: With the the Cardinals' reach throughout the Midwest, I imagine, because the Cardinals, yeah, my my grandfather grew up in Arkansas and they were Cardinals everything. Oh yeah, because they go to the top of the hill, they get it on the radio, <laughs> they as a family gather around, and they would listen to the Cardinals' games. So yep. um, I know that that firsthand, and. My grandpa didn't necessarily love that I was a Royals fan, and I was like, "They're in my backyard." Yeah, like yeah, I grew up you. in Kansas City, um, but yeah, the Cardinals have a huge reach. Um, what's it like at Mizzou? You know, Cardinals v Cubs.
1: Oh, it's oh Cardinals. No, it's all Cardinals.
0: It has to be. Right? Yeah,
1: it's all Cardinals. I mean, the Royals fifty. It's fifty fifty. Really? When it's Cardinals Royals, but yeah, no, it's, it's all Cardinals. Not no Cubs.
0: Okay, now now. Speaking as a Cubs fan, a lifelong Cubs fan, I'm um, going to set the stage real quick. Okay. It's November 2nd. Yep. 2016. Yep. There's a rain delay. Yep. That's a little nervous. We come yep. out of it. Rajai Davis hits a home run. Yep. Things are a little shaky. It was you, shaky. You've got a lifetime of 108 disappointment. years of it, yep. You're, you're starting to think about, like, goats from a hundred years ago that mm-hmm. were, were banned from the stadium chopper to Chris Brown or Chris Bryant. Bryant sorry. Yep. Chris Bryant chopper to Chris Bryant, throws it across Rizzo catches it. Yep. It's over. What's going through your mind?
1: Well, first of all, one of my kids had already gone to bed because they, they were Cubs fans because they didn't have a choice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. and they were, it was like, I think one was 16 and one was 12. Okay. So, one had already gone to bed because the rain delay and it was late.
0: This, this is your point. daughter went to bed, right?
1: Or did Cade go to bed? Um, Actually, I think Cade went to bed because he had early morning practice the okay. next morning. Okay. But then, yeah, so we, that happens. I mean, it was this exciting relief. Yeah. Like you were so excited and I'm jumping up and down and high-fiving and <laughs> hugging in my pajamas because it was kind of, it was about 11, was late. 11, 1130, yeah. something like that. And then it was also relief, like, oh. <sighs> Finally. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. And, you know, that's what makes baseball great. That's what makes sports great is that you have that connection with teams and, and especially with Cubs. And, you know, I'm an old man now, but I, I can remember, I remember going to Wrigley Field the first time with my grandfather and my dad when I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And I, goosebumps. Yeah, I remember. I can remember like today. And Wrigley Field back then, <clears throat> you know, they'd always talk about tearing it down because it's terrible. You know, it was this whole yeah. pile of crap. And there's about 12,000 people there. And, but my dad and my grandpa, and I remember we paid some guy $3 to park in the little, in his driveway. And yeah. my grandpa and I walked in there with my dad <clears throat> and that's fast forward 45 years later. And you, you still have those memories. So that's, what's great about baseball.
0: Yeah. It, it wells up. You, you it's as a Royals fan, I can't speak to the Cubs. That's generational. I mean, that's your grandpa. Like you're thinking about that moment when all this relief rushes out. Of you. Yeah. But I, I had seen one winning season in 26 years of my life.
1: And then you get the be And then one.
0: the year before yeah. the year before, same yep. thing happens. We win game five. Um, not as exciting of a game, but I would have preferred it that way over <laughs> the stress, <laughs> nerve wracking, the stress it you had is. to endure. So, um, Yeah, that's just a a firsthand testimony to baseball's power, the way it can captivate a city, and I can only imagine what Chicago looked like in that moment. Um, Were you in San Antonio at the time? Uh, Yeah,
1: unfortunately, I didn't get there. I I was trying to, but I couldn't. But, um, you know, this makes me think of, I'm I'm waiting for uh, James Earl Jones to come in the background and start speaking, you know this is what baseball was about
0: adam can get that
1: adam yeah adam's gonna produce that right okay. on right here yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's where yes this is what baseball is all about tyler
0: we don't that's even need the feel. drop anymore you just did it yeah was, but that's it. what it makes me
1: think of you know yeah. when he and ray kinsella are yeah you know and they're field of dreams and he's giving a speech yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm feeling right now.
0: Full circle at three years old. My grandpa took me to field of dreams in yeah. Iowa. Yeah. Ran the bases and you know, he, he showed me the movie and I didn't get the first like hour of it. Yeah. Like, what is this? They're just at a man's apartment.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Picking him up to drive across the country. I don't, yeah. any of it. But then the baseball part of it, they come out of the, the corn. Um, it's just, it has so much allure, so much nostalgia, so much love. There's there's familial ties. Um, it's why it's my favorite sport.
1: Yeah, they didn't have any uh, uh, launch angles no. or spin rates no. back then. so. Uh,
0: yeah, there was no review process that would have kept <laughs> my Kansas City Royals from winning 1985 no, World Series.
1: And because, the strike, strike. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Dicature right. would
0: have been not a thing. No. Nobody would, would have it noticed. It would have been overturned. His life would have probably been a lot more normal.
1: Right. And you probably would have preferred it.
0: Yeah. But, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyhow, Roman, do you have anything you want to end with?
1: Uh, no, man, it's great being here. You guys are, like I said, best in the business. Um, fun to be here. Um, you guys are great to your customers and great to your accounts and we appreciate it. And always fun.
0: You are the man. We can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, buy all your Rawlings and Easton equipment (laughs) at just bats or just gloves. Um, Roman's the guy that hooks us up with all of it. So thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it as always. And, uh, hopefully we'll get you back on sometime.
1: Yeah. I'm going to head to the six, four, three lounge right now.
0: (laughs) That sounds incredible. we will see you down there later. Thanks Roman. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the batter up podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to drop us a like. And if you're listening on a podcast, be sure to drop us a five-star review and subscribe to be alerted for any upcoming releases of episodes. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next time.